Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we have intro music, a fade-out, and an intro. I'm Matt Cato, pastor of St. Mark's in Los Angeles, California. And I'm St. Paris, I am the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, University of Colorado Boulder. Is this a celebratory music for our 300th episode? This is, Matt, a big episode for us. Uh, you know, at 100 episodes, we got the Reverend Nadia Bowles-Weber to hang out with us on the podcast. Uh, for 200, I, we definitely did something pretty special. And for 300, Matt, we got a lot of surprises. We've got a big guest coming up later. You know him from movies uh, such as... Um, uh, big blockbusters and stuff. Uh, um, Gerard, right? Rene Gerard, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all find when, when Zach said he had a Girardian take all the time, he's talking about Rene Gerard, but no, uh, Gerard Butler. That's Gerard Butler. You know him from Fan of the Opera? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon no, 2. Uh, some pretty good ones here. Um, yeah, he's going to be with us a little later on. You didn't didn't know this. Loves music, loves to talk about music, and uh, loves to talk about the Bible and make a playlist. So a little later on, Gerard Butler going to be joining us here on the podcast. Was also in Lara Croft, Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Really, I forgot about that. Fast Food, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Interesting, I didn't know that. Um, something called One More Kiss. A lot of good stuff. Machine Gun Preacher. We're going to have to talk to him about Machine Gun Preacher. <laughs> what? Uh, Machine Gun That's Preacher is a 2011 American biographical action drama. Uh, it tells the story of Sam Ch- Childers, former gang biker turned preacher. So he's got a lot. He's probably done a lot of like research on preaching and stuff. So oh, I cannot forget this film, Matt. And then I'll stop listening to your Butler films. Geostorm. Uh, for fans of the podcast, how to get this get made? Uh, you won't forget Gerard Butler and his important role in Geostorm, <laughs> uh, science fiction disaster film. So, wow, we start alongside Ed Harris. Is this, uh, is this another episode of I Love Films? That or, That's or... been another episode of I Love Films. Amazing. Three, 300 uh, episodes. So we, let's see. So that means how many years have we been recording this podcast? 2016? Like six years? Six years at 50. We've not missed a week now, which is remarkable. (laughs) Which is the greatest achievement. As an award-winning podcast, number one achievement for six years, we have literally put out an episode every week, Matt. That's insane for the two of us to pull that off. Yeah. Uh, we're not known for punctuality for, for any of that kind of stuff. And yet, like you went on a paternity leave at one point. Right away. We, right away. We started this podcast. And like, Matt, I need you to commit to this for six years. And that's it. I can do it. This is going to be great. Three weeks in. Uh, I'm having babies. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. I didn't know it uh, at the time when you asked me. And then uh, six weeks later, there, you know, just to happen so fast. Gosh. We're basically the Cal Ripken of podcasts, is what you're saying. We are. We um, have suffered through some incredible injuries that we've continued 
just a podcast right through, even when healthier podcasters had to sit on the bench because we had a streak to, to maintain. COVID in the French countryside still putting out podcasts. We still put Amazing. out a podcast, even though I was incarcerated by a French nun. What COVID story, what, what's, what France story did I tell last week? I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> I could tell another uh, France story. What do you got? Can I talk about missing the train? Not on this podcast. No, the podcast, well, let me tell you about it. Uh, so international travel is a big part of what we do in Lutheran Campus Ministry, uh, especially here in Boulder. Our campus is incredibly internationally minded, uh, globally minded. All of our students are always leaving me. Um, we have some incredibly high percentage of students who study abroad. We, The university is always very proud that we lead the nation typically in graduates who go on to work in the Peace Corps. Um, so for us to be relevant as a ministry, we got to engage globally as well. Um, and students are very excited to do that. So every two years, when there's not a global pandemic, we try to work in an international trip into our program, and students are excited to do it. We've done. Uh, I'd like to consider myself, Matt, a pretty seasoned, experienced, like international traveler with groups. Uh, I've led groups uh, of students to, to Guatemala a couple times. Uh, I've led students to um, uh, Israel and Palestine. Took a group there of like 15. It was a big group. Um, we walked the Camino in Spain. We just did Taze. Uh, I've led college students on trips to like Eastern Germany to do the Luther stuff. Uh, been around to the places, Matt, and why we do the trips, right? And we subsidize them uh, and make it a, a pretty affordable option for students. Uh, it is the cheapest way that you'll ever do international travel is if you go with me. Um, and we do it for a couple of reasons. One of them is that that there the demands on students' time are so intense and there are so many. Right, especially these days, uh, students more aware than ever that, that college is this economic endeavor. You've got students who are working more than ever, um, wanting to be very particular about all the things they do, doing all the clubs and the projects and the research and the, the classes and stuff. Um, and uh, whenever they, it's always a, a very definitive choice that students make to engage in the stuff we do in campus ministry, at least here in Boulder. Um, and they've got to got to got to make that choice. But even when we have them for retreats, for our weekly programming, for small groups, uh, there are still a million other claims on their uh, time. And the opportunity to take students abroad provides the opportunity to do really um, have a really immersive experience in which we're able to work with students where there aren't other demands on their times. Right when you're in the Spanish countryside or the French countryside, uh, and you don't have Wi-Fi or cell service. Um, you get to be in one place for a while and we get to do some really immersive, important work that way. Um, if there's a theology to our uh, international travel program with students, it is uh, our students. And, and I think most students in the United States feel an incredible amount of pressure in order to make, to ensure that they're doing the right things. They're making the right choices, um, right? That they've been told their whole lives you know, we're a big flagship public public school, right? Like that um, they've been told their lives that, that college is the most important thing, right? And so everything they did in high school and middle school is about getting into college and you've made the right choices. Now you're here, you better make sure it's worth it, right? You better take advantage of it and make all the right choices when you're here. Um, old man advice, no such thing as right choices, right? They're good choices and they're choices that aren't great, um, but there's no such thing as right choices and that your plan will never... It's great to have a plan 
Uh, but you need to know that that plan's not going to work out. And the good news that we seek to proclaim through our travel program is the good news that um, things aren't going to go to plan and it's going to be okay. And that the point is not the plan at all. Uh, and so without fail, uh, I've got just a treasure, tro treasure trove of travel stories of things not going according to plan. Uh, and I like to think these aren't my failings. These aren't my personal nor professional failings, but they are ways that I help students immerse themselves in the life of uh, of God, right? Of walking the Camino, the uncertain way, the Colorado, El Camino, Colorado, the, the muddy the muddy way. Uh, so we were really leaning into that in 2019 when I took students to Spain to walk the Camino. And the Camino, uh, the Camino de Santiago, the, the pilgrimage that folks make uh, in the north of Spain that ends in Santiago is very much on the north. And uh, the only real major airport that's near a shit is, is Madrid, uh, which is in the very middle of Spain. So we flew into Madrid. I'd never been to, to Spain before, Matt. Have you been to Spain? No. We ought to do it, Matt. We should shack up. We should sabbatical at the same time, host an albergue. Um, but I speak some Spanish, right? Like I'm, I can be functional in Spanish, um, but I've never been to Spain before. And uh, I carefully planned the trip out. I enjoy this. This is really one of my favorite parts of my job, uh, being a travel agent, the world's cheapest travel agent. Uh, and I had, had figured out and got us a hostel right next to the train station. I bought the tickets in advance because you got to take this train four, four hours north from Madrid up to uh, Ponferrada is where we got on this village. And uh, it always helps, Matt. Here's my travel tip. Always buy the train tickets in advance because you get the cheaper price, right? And I was buying 11 of them. And I got us a hostel right next to the train station, right? So we're going to fly in, spend the night. Train doesn't even leave till the afternoon. We're going to have a whole morning to explore Madrid. It's going to be amazing. And um, we we did, right? It, it, when I'm doing the, 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 the trip leading, it's a little... It's a little fuzzy taking students because they're technically adults, right? I'm not their mom. I'm not here to hold their hand. And yet, if I don't bring them all back, that's not great for me, right? I've got some responsibilities. <laughs> you know, it's this weird, like, gray area of, like, yeah, you're a grown-ass person. You get to make your choices. And yet, it's harder for me to raise money if I'm missing students. Um, and so... I gave him the spiel, you know, like, hey, you got the morning out. You're going to be a grown person. Make some grown person choices here. I'd prefer you, uh, since most of you don't have any Spanish skills, um, to be with somebody else. Um, the main thing, though, be back here at the train station at this time. And so they all go out and disperse. And this group was very type A because the last person back to the train station and a little bit late was uh, me. Right. Um, and I get there and they're all like, and I was so ready for this. And I loved, I reveled in the moment. They were like, Pastor Zach, we can't find the train. We can't find the train. And I said, guys, calm down. I'm sure it's here. I'll use my Spanish skills and my international travel experience and I will find the train. And so I start walking around this big ass train station, reading all the boards. And uh, after 15, 20 minutes, I can't find the train. I can't find it on the, on the, on the boards. And so eventually I do the thing that I do not want to do. 15 minutes before our train's supposed to leave, I, I ask somebody where our, our train is. And the person's like, nah, it's, uh, you're in the wrong station. Um, it's at least from the train station on the other side of town. But he said, if you get on this like inner city train, you can get there. It'll be there. And like, you'll get you there in, in 10 minutes. And so with 10 minutes, we jump on. We don't even buy tickets. We just jump on the inner city train. 
take it to the, to the station on the north side of town. We go running through the train station, run down the stairs, run out onto the platform, and watch the train pull away. Without what? <laughs> and you know what I said, Matt? To myself. I said, this is all part of the experience. Things don't go according to plan. You know, we got a contingency line in the budget. This is what it's for. So I go to the, the, the ticket office. And I'm like, guys, um, yeah, we missed our train. I need 11 tickets on the next train to Ponferrada. And they're like, no problem. Uh, though you do know you bought the <laughs> tickets in advance and they're non-refundable, right? Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I watched about 400 euros pull away <laughs> from the, <laughs> on the platform. And so they're... Oh. they're Picking me up, getting the new tickets, and eventually I, uh, it dawns on me, like, when, when is the next train to Ponferrada? And they're like, oh, uh, 24 hours from now. And that, Matt, was a problem. <laughs> because I carefully worked it out. When you have a big group, like, you know, if you're just one person walking on the on the Camino, you can usually find a place to stay. Like, just show up and be like, do you have a bed? I'll be like, yes. But if you are an American with 11 or 12 people like we did, uh, you get yelled at for not having a reservation. So I knew that, did my research, and uh, had reservations carefully staggered out along the way so we had a place to stay. Uh, so if we did not make it to Ponferrada that night, that meant we had zero reservations. <laughs> because we were, we're off by day, we're off on all of them. Right. Uh, so it turns into this massive thing. I'm on my phone on the crappy like, train station Wi-Fi with my one student who speaks, who has really good Spanish skills. Eventually, we find a bus that'll go to take us to Ponferrada that night. But the bus, of course, is in a bus station nowhere near us. And we have to get back on that train and go back through the big train station and get to the bus. Uh, but the bus only has 12 empty seats, and there are 11 of us, Matt. And you can't buy the bus tickets on your phone, and you can't buy them on the internet. you got to buy them only from kiosk in the bus station. So we run and jump on this train to try to get there to make sure there are 11. And on the way, I'm like, what am I going to do if there's like eight tickets left? And like, I can get eight of us up there, but the three of one other. We get there, and uh, the the kiosks are broken. They don't take cards anymore. Cash only. What? And I would give them students like a per diem was a part of our like deal, and so I'd use the the ministry credit, the debit card, and I already maxed it out to get enough cash to to give everybody money for the day. And so I don't have money anymore. It's cash only. I'm like students, give me whatever you have. Give me all of your cash right now. (laughs) I give Megan my personal debit card, and of course, there's no ATM in the in the bus station. I'm like, Megan, here's my credit card. Here's my debit card. Here's my pin. Do not come back to me without a couple hundred euros. Um, so eventually it works out. We buy the last 11 seats on this bus and the train was going to take four hours. The bus took about eight and a half hours, Matt, because we stopped every 30 minutes for the bus driver to smoke. Um, and it's really a big thing. Um, and so students enjoyed for, uh, you know, we got to Santiago eventually. We had to walk early in the morning to get on the train. And uh, they had a hilarious shift. Pastor Zach, are we walking to the right train station? You sure we're going to the right train station, Pastor Zach? <laughs> oh, you guys are hilarious. You guys should really consider going into comedy. I don't think, uh, I'm not sure uh, your, your shows and career paths are the right ones. This is really good material. Um, so for years, these students, or now alums, have given me uh, a lot of crap about going to the wrong train station. So this year, Matt, when I took students to Taze and we're flying into Paris, and we had to take the train from Paris to Taze or to Macron and then get a bus to, Paris, to Taze. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time researching trains and train schedules and train stations, right? I've got it all figured out now, right? We are not going to go. I double-checked so many times, Matt, that, that, that a lot of things could happen. I might end up incarcerated by a French nun, but we are going to the right train station. We're not missing a train. Like, that's not 
a possibility, okay? So I got us in this hostel next to the train station, essentially. We had to jump on a metro, but uh, easy to get to the train station. Huge train station. There are a bunch of train stations in Paris, you know, and they're all named after like the destinations of the cities the trains go to, right? So we're like Gare de Lyon, right? The train station to Lyon. Because we're on the train, it goes to Lyon, and we're getting off a couple stops early, right? So we get there, get there plenty of time, yeah, plenty of time walking around the train station and um, I can't find the train on the boards. And my French skills are not what my Spanish skills are. <laughs> um, it's pretty quiet. It's a Sunday morning. We're walking around and I'm just like, man, I cannot find it. And it doesn't enter into my head that it's, it's, not, it's just not a possibility that we're in the wrong train station. Like that's, I've taken care of that. We're definitely in the right train station, you know. And then we have 10 minutes for the train leaves, and I can't. I asked one person, and they're like, oh, just look at the boards. And I said, thank you very much, French person, for your hospitality. Um, 10 minutes left. I finally find somebody at, like, a desk and, like, the luggage check. And I'm like, I can't find the train. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You're not in the right train station. <laughs> There's a tiny train station called the Versi Station literally across the street from the giant-ass Gare du Nord. Uh, Gare de Lyon, uh, whose trains all go to Lyon as well. And there's nothing about it in the big train station. So we jumped in these cabs that got us there in like five minutes. And so we, I just, I've never been so mad my entire life, Matt. I'd like to think like I, it's the greatest failing I've ever had as a person. (laughs) And so we're running, we run down the platform. We get to the train with a couple minutes to spare. And we jump on that first car. And the first car is the fullest one because it's the closest one, right? And so I stick students. They're in individual seats, like spread out in the car. And I'm like, you guys just sit here. I'm going to go see if there are more seats further up train. And uh, I was so upset walking up the train, man, that people thought I was French. That's how (laughs) unpleasant I looked. Uh, I was walking through this train car, and there were some clearly like Americans with like backpacks and stuff, and they were in the middle of the aisle. And they saw me coming and I looked so upset. They immediately started apologizing profusely in French. And uh, I kept it French. I didn't even acknowledge that they were talking to me. Uh, <laughs> just walked right past them. <laughs> and I thought at that point, well, this trip can't get any worse than this. And I was wrong. I was wrong because <laughs> in a few days, I would be incarcerated by a French nun. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Yeah. So that's what you learn on these uh, these trips. You get to learn that not just, I know our listeners are like, well, I'm learning it now. No, no, you're intellectually understanding it. You need the immersive experience of your whole body being filled with rage and disappointment in yourself, like deep in your soul, like how you have let yourself down and all these other people who are following you around because you have convinced them that they should come to another country with you and that you will take care of them. Uh, and then they get to see you exposed for how inferior you are as a person incapable. <sighs> this episode, though, is brought to you by the Vinyl Preacher Patreon, where you can sign up for our upcoming trip to a country I have not been to. Uh, we're going to go to Portugal. I don't speak Portuguese, and I'm not intending to learn. But don't worry about it. You sign up, Venmo me $1,000, and uh, I'll take care of the rest, and you just follow me around the train station. That. We got a 50-50 chance is the right one. And by 50-50, I mean um, 
if you count the way back, I'm 50-50 because I know the translations to go to. It sounds, uh, sounds pretty great. This is a good advertisement for Vinyl Preacher trips. Vinyl Preacher vacations. This is Vinyl Preacher vacations. <laughs> We're going to start it, and uh, Zach's just made a great pitch for it. Uh, yeah. This could be good. Great. To celebrate our 300th episode, we're inviting <laughs> you all into a vinyl preacher cruise. You know, a lot of people do cruises. You know, Craig Satterley does his little preaching cruises. Uh, and, you know, he just like contracts it with an existing like cruise ship. But that's not how I do trips. Mm. On a preacher cruise, I'm going to buy a boat off of Craigslist <laughs> and pilot it into the open ocean. And it'll be a little bit like um, uh, <laughs> arrested development. It'll be great. Be great. That'd be great. <laughs> well, well yeah. the cacophony of languages uh, and my inability to speak them, which may or may not lead to uh, me being in the wrong train station, uh, is a great tie-in to get us into the text this week. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, let's 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 do it. Our three hundredth time talking about the text. <laughs> this is the one people have been waiting for. <laughs> Acts chapter two, one to twenty-one. Uh, if you've been doing, if you like me, I've been doing an Acts sermon series through the season of Easter. It's kind of fun because you work your way, sort of, uh, you know, chronologically through the Book of Acts, and then you end up back at the beginning, almost as if it's your turn. Similar to that Matt, gospel. I, I, book, hate to, you know. I hate to interrupt here. Um, Gerard was going to join us for the text part, but I did just get a. A text from his agent. He's he's going to come on for sure, but he's just been a little little delayed. So we'll, he said, "Go ahead." He'll jump in when he gets here. Good, good to know. Good to know. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Language, what a skill to have, Zach. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. This list is really fun for your reader to read in church. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, 
and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Matt, how do you, do you, do you, do you, do you, do you, Matt, do you at uh, St. Mark's, do you do the thing where you read it in a bunch of different languages? We do not. Cool. We, we could, we should. We do. No, we don't. Yeah. No worries. Well, that's been another episode of How Do You Do It at St. Mark's? Get <laughs> it up. Yeah, we used, uh, they had a, like a script from Sundays and Seasons one year where like people would call out, like it was, it was kind of a reader's theater, but it was, it was all in English. Um, yeah. I think, Matt, one of the things I'm interested in, so a little nuancy, um, because these are pretty familiar texts, especially the X, or if you were to read the Tower of Babel text. Um, which is probably what I would do. I'd read Babel, I think, first, and then slide X into the second reading um, and leave out the Romans. Um, but just the, the details of, of the mechanics of what's happening here, right, is that each person is hearing uh, what, the, what the other people are saying in their own native language. Um, it's not that they can suddenly understand English or Cappadocian or whatever, right? They're hearing mm-hmm. the person speak in their their own native language. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have this text in conversation with on the same day as the Tower of Babel, in which language is used as this like great divider and like splitter upper of people. Uh, and here it is, it is certainly unity and yet is also still... Um, it's not completely like whitewashed, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it is this interesting back and forth. I would, I'd point to um, a very nerdy thing, the Babblefish. Are you familiar with the Babblefish from the Hitchhiker's no. Guide to the Galaxy? So the Babblefish in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which you can see in the film in the book, uh, is a fish that uh, when you put it into your ear, it helps you to un- it allows you to understand any form of communication. Uh, so in the in the film, it's uh, it's neat, you know. You put a babble fish here in your ear, and you can talk to any kind of alien or whatever. Um, but in the book, there's this interesting quote about it that says, uh, "Meanwhile, the poor babble fish, by effectively removing all barriers to communication between different races and cultures, has caused more and bloodier wars than anything else in the history of creation." Uh, which I think is this interesting, like, like take that's not not completely like not too far away from like these texts being in conversation with each other that 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 there is that that push towards unity has a sinister there can be a sinister edge to that 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 push towards unity Mm. as all these texts really push us towards call us towards unity yeah yeah well and it's like that's a really good um that's a really good piece with the the babblefish, but it's an interesting kind of of unity that um, that it calls us to, right? Because it's not a complete 
the Acts text is not a complete reversal of Babel, right? It's not as if, like, like you said, like it's not as if like somehow language is suddenly flattened in all ways. Like the people retain their individual languages. There's just now this ability to understand, and so it does seem like the Acts text at least like leaves us room to talk about diversity within unity. That there's some ways to continue to to think about that, right? That that, that it's it's a choice that it isn't Babel in reverse. It's almost like a new. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clearly related to the Babel story, but it's there's a different step being taken. It's not just rewinding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It isn't a, a yeah an undoing or a fixing of the of the brokenness of Babel. And maybe it's not even brokenness. Like that's a maybe that's an inferior reading of of the Babel story, right? Maybe there's a more compassionate way to read, empathetic way to read the Babel story. Is not a a failing but a, a gifted, a gifting of God. Um, yeah, they, they talked about, um, I'm going to borrow from our frenemies at Working Preacher. <laughs> so we actually talked what about that What about those for the next 300 episodes of the podcast is to have them know about us. Have them know about us, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They talked about this a little bit though, that like that Tower of Babel story, that it, it wasn't actually good for the people. Like the thing they were doing was not actually healthy for them. And so- yeah, rather than thinking about it as a punishment, that like this is actually a gift. God is kind of helping them to not to these things that are actually not not good for them. We took uh, Iceland Air uh, to Paris. Uh, they've got great deals out of Denver, in particular. Uh, so I've, I've actually flown them a number of times, uh, and you know, highly recommend Iceland Air. They're they're pretty affordable transatlantic uh, airline. Though I know this podcast is partially sponsored by United. Um, uh, one of my students brought it up, and it, it is interesting to think about. When you, when you fly Iceland, all the announcements happened first. Every announcement happens first in Icelandic, right? And we had some like significant, like not huge delays, but like we were on the runway for an hour before it took off, right? And like all the updates came in Icelandic for a while, and like sometimes they were like really long updates in Icelandic, and we're hot and we're frustrated, and like. You know, so a student said a thing that I had been thinking, right? Like, yeah, he was like, you know, he said it jokingly later on, very self-aware. And he's like, you know, I, I appreciate that you're trying to like, you know, keep your culture alive and stuff. But I mean, what are the chances that more than like three people on this airplane understand Icelandic? Oh. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of inconvenient for me. Like, wouldn't it be easier if you used the mono language and just use English to tell us what's happening? Um, but, right, there is something to this, like... To that experience of being inconvenienced of like it's like the 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 Pentecost of Acts text I think looks a lot more like Icelandic air uh, <laughs> than it does uh, just giving you everything in English. So my thought on this text, uh, as I read it, the is that like you know we sometimes talk about. Uh, Pentecost as the birthday of the church, uh, and you can either like like that or not like that. But if if this is a text of like the birth of the church, uh, this is wild. This is not at all what like your typical Sunday morning experience is going to be like. Like this is just this is wild. Like my my initial note on reading this text a few days ago was like, this makes church sound exciting. <laughs> if this is what the community of God is actually like, this would be nuts. Like. I, I'm not, I don't know what if you would like it or not like it or what, but it wouldn't be boring. Like this is this is mm-hmm. wild. Um, 
it's just wild. And and again, like if it's the birth, like if we were really going to think about the birth of the church, you'd think they would sit down and like write a constitution and then like figure out the committees and like how is the membership check with the legal council to make sure everything's check with, check with the legal council. And again, like you have been around long enough that like, yeah, like there's a there's definitely a place for those like kinds of structures, but it is there, there really is. But uh, it is also true that like so much of the time, like that takes up so much of our time is like figuring out that stuff. Whereas like this is nothing about like how the church is going to be structured. All it seems <laughs> to say is like the church that this new community is like a, a group of people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Which and that the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. You know, like, which is really apocalyptic imagery. But like, so like, do we think about that? Like, that this is like when we gather as a community on a Sunday morning. Like, this is a group of people that has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, is that like? I mean, it just reminds me of the Annie Dillard quote where she's like, you know, if we really like believed that God was going to show up on Sunday mornings, we'd all show up in like crash test helmets and like we would, <laughs> we would just be like have a lot of protective gear on because this is nuts. Like, why would we do this? Why would we gather before? And, and it's true. Like you get, you get that sense from Max. Like I just, that's just my initial like gut feeling reaction about this is that like, this is wild. And it is so different from how we would normally think about our typical church community in which we might be preaching. Um, even if you're in like a multi-ethnic community, I'm just saying like the whole, the wildness of like the drama of this text, like there's a lot, uh, a lot going on. And then, um, and then, yeah, like you said, this, <laughs> the portents, what is with the portents? I like my question, which is going to take a more research than I've done before this podcast is like, what is, what does some of this mean? Like in the last days, like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, how do people think about the last days and how, how, how are we supposed to take some of this uh, today? Cause as a, you know, I just watched the first three episodes of stranger things. I, I love some of this stuff. I love the, Sounds like they're describing the upside down. Like there's a lot going on. I'm all I'm all up for a show like this. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. But what does it actually mean for us? Like it's man, it's a it's a lot to take in uh, and hard to to know what to do with it. So where you're where you're red uh, this Sunday, and uh, you know maybe I'll do some confirmations. That's when when we sometimes did ours. But uh, there's a lot here. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I wonder, Matt, I think of two things. Um, one is the idea that um, this is wild and a big deal and way out of the ordinary. Um, and I wonder if that's a helpful way to think about the life of the church as the church gets born as a birthday party here. Um, in the, the, I've always appreciated the wisdom, you know, that says that a funeral, like a funeral is inconvenient. And that's a part of like, that's, that's a, a feature, not a bug, right? That, that is the occasion to stop and be interrupted. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's a helpful way to think about like Sunday or, or the principal gathering time of your community is that uh, thinking about it as an eruption, an eruption. sometimes yeah. an eruption, an interruption uh, as well uh, into your life, the life of the world around us. The other side of that that makes me think of is like, I wonder if um, to take it into vinyl talk, um, you know, there's a reason that, that the greatest albums are, I think are generally considered like albums, right? Like, and not like, 
it's not like the best of the greatest hits albums aren't considered the best albums, right? Like, like uh, those exist and people buy them because it's typically, it used to be the affordable way to get all the good songs. Um, but people think of, um, people think of, uh, of um, you know, uh, a, a proper album, right? That doesn't have number one hits, song after song after song. I wonder if like in the life of the church, right? Maybe, maybe we have too many hits, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's too much, right? That like every week a miracle happens. Every week this like insane thing happens. Like it's just too many hits. Like maybe we do better to have more boring like stories like from week to week, right? Like so that when something insane happens, like you can have a little more punch. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more of an album and less greater hits, greatest hits. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the imagery here though cannot be beat like it's I think I think Pentecost is the easy for me I can get most excited and like just run with it because there's such cause especially when they throw in this Joel at the end right like your young men shall see visions your old men dream dreams your sons like it's you can do I love it like I can it gives you so much to work with and uh, to frame whatever it is that you're you're feeling called to talk about. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's definitely a lot to work with. And you're like thinking about the album structure. I mean, it sends me off in a in a, in a slightly different angle, but but yeah, thinking about like an overall structure. Like if the Book of Acts is its own it's its own album, you're gonna get mm-hmm. some different some different kinds of songs, right? Like you're going to, uh, you're going to get some bangers like that Paul and Silas story. Then you get some speeches, you can get some, some deeper cuts, uh, for sure. Uh, but it seems to start off. I mean, I know this is chapter two, so maybe you have like your, your opening palette. This is the single. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, this is the single you're kicking off here with, with Acts two. First single, yeah. uh, <laughs> you're starting off with a bang. Uh, and then, and then it is going to go forth from here. Like, like Acts is full of just all these incredible stories. Um, but in, in very different ways with very different textures, but this, it is, it is definitely a big single. And so, um, yeah, treat it that way on Sunday. And that, I mean, that might be my like substantive test. I've got, you know, all these like insane stories of how international travel can go sideways. Um, but, but I did enjoy the, the worship experience at Taze. Um, or I don't know if enjoy is the right word, right? I found it, uh, uh, life-giving, I think. Um, and, and, you know, the, we can do a whole podcast on my thoughts on like how Taze happens well and how the, like, like, I think that was one of the takeaways that, that our group is going to work with, right? Like, is that, that at Taze, the space is incredibly welcoming and generous in that, like the demands made of you are pretty like light, right? Like, and, and a part of the thing is like a part of Taze, I think, based on my experience before being held captive by it, uh, is that like, there's kind of a no rules thing at Taze. Uh, At least that was our experience. I don't know if that's, you know, I was there for a week. Um, And it's like unclear, like who's in charge, right? And a part of that, I think, is to create this community of young adults from week to week, right? Like to really put the ball in their court, right? That you're, you're here to create an international community of young adults. And so you got to do it. Um, you got to do the work there. Um, and so 
for for students, it's like, yeah, the bells ring and that's when you're supposed to go there. But then nobody ever says, okay, it's over. You can leave now, right? If you want to stay, you can stay for a very long time. Um, and if you want to leave, you can leave like whenever you want, right? Um, so what if there are no rules? Like that, that's kind of the, the experience I think for students that's interesting is like, what if you get to engage with worship how how you want to on your own terms, right? Um, and it sounds like that should be a really easy thing, right? You just open the doors and like people come in. But one of the things that was interesting to see through the week is all the small things that happen in order to create that space. Like it wasn't an accident, right? They're doing a bunch of things that are happening uh, that people are committed to that make that space happen. Um, and so all that's to say, right? So silence is a big part of that and how they set up how the silence is observed and how that silence is, is, is powerful. Um, and not just powerful, but because what I think it does is it's an interruption. That's the, mm. that's the big point I'm trying to get around to, right? Is that the, in the middle of the service, there are no clocks, but it's 10 minutes of silence. Um, and, and you know, there are plenty of anecdotes of the students who, uh, who or young adults who, who talk about how, like, it felt like the silence got a lot shorter as the week went on because you got used to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just silence and repetitive singing with a couple of readings. Um, in different languages, um, but it was such a. It reminded me of, and makes me think of this week the the, the power of of worship as interruption, um, that, you know, whether it's audible silence or whatever, right? Like the, it's certainly an interruption to the way I usually, that I live my life, where I'm listening to a podcast or talking to people or working or listening to the radio in my car or running to the next thing, to stop and not do anything is. Um, even for 10 minutes is a, is a pretty big interruption. I think there's, there's power there that that interruption that, that makes a break and for the inbreaking of the spirit to make you start talking in funny languages or hearing in funny languages. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and here again, like just, just like last week with the earthquake, it isn't like, they decide they're going to have, an interruption and it's going to come like they have some inkling there's been a promise made um but like it comes from the outside right like they, so they've made the choice to like gather together in one place and they've done it on this particular day so it seems like that's what they do but then suddenly like this thing happens and i don't know i guess i'm fascinated by that too these last few weeks where it's like in these stories where there's like this thing that we choose to do to like make space and then there's this the eruption the interruption happens mm-hmm. like Outside, outside for control. <laughs> so what we're saying, dear, dear listener, is uh, for your children's sermon, don't do the happy birthday thing. Do the Science Project Volcano uh, with the Mentos and the Coke and do the eruption thing. That'd be fun. It'd be amazing. I totally got my nephew one of those a couple of years ago. Really awesome. I'm sure you Really. Your uh, awesome. brother loved it. <laughs> Uh, Romans chapter eight, one of my favorite chapters from Romans. Uh, all, oh, this is the, this is the, 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 the Dave Matthews commemorative That's conversation right. about Romans. All who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption 
when we when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God, man. Not a ton there, but unity-ish things. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, yeah. I mean, more stuff, another angle on the spirit and what this means. If the people of God are really a spirit-filled people, um, I mean, this is just this is another picture of, of what that looks like. Part of the family of God, children of God, um, but also this idea that there is a spirit within us that bears witness. And uh, yeah, fascinating thought. Well, Matt, uh, I am pretty excited that here on the podcast with us, you know him from Geostorm. You know him from uh, Starcroft Tomb Raider. Uh, you know him from the movie 300, Matt. Uh, Gerard Butler, award-winning actor. We're glad to have you on the uh, the podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Sorry, we can't. We can't hear you. Sorry. Oh. Do you, uh, jer- Matt, I think we're having some issues. We'll have to try. Let's keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get Gerard on a little yeah, later. That is uh, tech issues. It's too bad. I think he's on a PC. John. Uh, Gerard, hopefully John, uh, Gerard will hear us and get jump him when he gets those tech issues resolved. Uh, John 14, Matt, the 14th chapter. Uh, lucky sevens times two. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. All I need, Jesus. Jesus, you've been doing great stuff. Love the, the healings, love the feedings, love the miracles. But oh, just one more thing. Uh, we'll be satisfied if you just show us the Father. Jesus said to him, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, Jesus, quick question. What if we were to ask you to show us the Father in your name? Does that, or is that blasphemy? Uh, If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. Okay. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. The good news of Jesus. Praise to you, O Christ. Uh, Nobody's going to follow this. Uh, especially if you go Axe Babel, because they got two great stories, and then you get a very Johnsian sort of like in me and I and him and him and you uh, talking stuff. Which is not to say there's not good stuff here, Matt. It for me, it hits that like unity thing that I think the the lecture makers are going after. That the Father is already in Jesus, uh, and that the promise here is that that the Father will be in you as well. Uh, and so the interconnectedness is is. That abiding in is is deep and real, and I think that's 
the angle here that I'd kind of go after that and then the works um, is the good question. Um, what do these, uh, the works speaks for themselves, but what, what works are we talking about? What does, um, to go back to my like previous point about like unity and interconnectedness, having uh, sometimes having a sinister edge, I think that's where the works comes in in order to judge the unity uh, or the works, the works, the building of a tower and building of a, of a, of a golden statue or are the works, the works of God of serving uh, neighbor or other giving of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like the, the giving of the spirit in John is not, the same kind of drama as the giving of the spirit in Acts. And we didn't, um, you've got them in parentheses here. It's the optional verses 25 to 27. Uh, but Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. That seems to be how the spirit shows up at the end of John, where Jesus breathes on them and gives them the spirit. We saw that in a couple of those resurrection stories. Um, and it's the spirit of peace, which is like a very different spirit than we seem to get in, in that Acts story. But maybe not. Maybe it's not so different. Um, because if we think about like, what are the, what are the works supposed to represent? What do they lead to? Like you were saying, I mean, what if this is a piece, not just like, um, you know, I don't feel stressed, but maybe it's a, it's both an internal and an external piece. Maybe this is a shalom kind of piece, this all encompassing piece. And it gives us that kind of vision of what this is all leading toward. Um, and so and we think about that a little bit too. So depending on whether your congregation needs drama this week or needs peace this week, <laughs> you can decide where you want to preach from. Or you just make that opening and uh, see which one comes, comes to see you. There you go. Which one erupts. There you go. It is a little strange to have the peace angle come in this week because it's not a very peaceful. I don't think of Pentecost is very peaceful. I mean, maybe that's the point of the works. So that's was to point you towards yeah. some form of peace, or maybe it's a reframing of peace as well, right? That peace looks like all of this chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real, it's a real peace. It's not just the absence of tension, uh, kind of, kind of weak. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation between those texts. I like it. Well, Matt, what are we listening to this week? Well, uh, as I, <laughs> this is what came to mind for me <laughs> as I read through these texts. Uh, it's like, listen to what I say. Where did I hear that? Uh, U2's The Ocean from 1980's Boy. Uh, just an incredible song, especially on vinyl. Uh, as, as Pastor Manuel Reda Moses told me, uh, that song just sounds incredible on vinyl. Uh, just fully immersive. But now has this line, listen, they listen to what I say. Oh, it's so good. So good. Uh, then it made me, I was like, what What can I do with this rush? Uh, the rush of a violent wind. Um, you might think I can go to the band rush, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going with uh, no prog rock. Cold, Coldplay. I think their second album, I think it's their second album, is called A Rush of Blood to the Head. came out my senior year in college. I remember it well. And there's a song called A Rush of Blood to the Head. Blame it on A Rush of Blood to the Head. And I, gosh, just uh, what a vivid, vivid imagery. And then uh, suddenly, suddenly from heaven, there came this sound uh, like the rest of Island wind. What could I think of with suddenly, uh, suddenly last summer by the motels classic mm. 80s sound. 
Cool. I like it, Matt. I like it. I got to check out the motels there. Uh, I love that imagery map in X. Uh, it gets pretty out there. And uh, I think there's one song that is uh, perfect for uh, being the soundtrack to uh, helping you get out there uh, a little bit. So do you realize by the flaming lips Gosh, that whole album is so good. Is it I think it'll make for an excellent uh, opener this week. Or maybe on the way out, you can play it as a post I would love to do oh. that as a post loop. It sounds mm. Then uh, Mumford & Sons have a song called Babel. I don't know if you've, you've heard that before. There's a version of it with Paul Simon and uh, Jerry Douglas on the deluxe wow. version of the album. And last, I am intrigued, Matt, interested in, in figuring out what these works are that we're supposed to be looking at uh, in the works that speak for themselves. And so Nina Simone has a lovely song called Work Song. Uh, that uh, it's a great soundtrack to help when you get back to work. Not back to work, but like the interruption and interruptive work. It's a pretty good song. It's Nina Simone. I think this Nina Simone might be pretty good. We got to get her name out. Possibly. I think so. It's a committed crime lord. I needed a crime of being hungry and poor. I left the grocery store man bleeding. Probably robbing this store. And forget, but I still got so you, you guys should check out this new up and coming artist, Nina Simone. Hopefully, gonna play Coachella soon. Um, yeah, I really do want to apologize to Gerard Butler and Gerard Butler publicists that we could not make it work. We really were hoping to have you on for the 300th episode, but say la vie, as they say in the Bercy station of Paris. Well. It's been real. Oh, wait a second, man. I got some bad news. Oh, no. I don't know that Nina Simone's going to be able to come on the podcast. No? Yeah, she's deceased. But born in Tryon, North Carolina, which is, which is when we count one, two, three counties over from where I grew up. Oh, wow. There you go. You only, you only learn that here on The Vital Preacher. I only learn on The Vital Preacher. Be sure to check it out. Uh, review. Subscribe, do that kind of stuff. We need we need those five star uh, reviews. We need your Patreon subscriptions that, that bring you stuff like a fifteen second snippet of the Nina Simone song. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the vinyl preacher to do all those things, man. Also, be sure to sign up for the cruise. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it's been real, real vinyl. <laughs>